3: except City. I am your host Joe Ucello, Sir Bob, Mike Orr, my co-host Rob Rojas, my trusted co-host Ben the Machine. Good evening everyone and welcome to episode 370 of Low Limit Football on this 10th of November 2022. I am your host Joe Ucello and tonight the knockout stages of the Champions League and Europa League are set first round matches set for February. World Cup rosters are being released as more players succumb to injuries, missing their World Cup dreams, and LAFC completes their run to the title in one of the most exciting football matches you'll see this year. We're going to discuss that and much more with our very, very special guest, the voice of LAFC himself, Max Bredos, who'll be joining us in just a little bit. But first, let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. What's going on, my man?
2: I'm good, Joe. I'm good. I mean, obviously, yes, I agree. I think it's been quite a dramatic last i would say what 72 hours since we well even more than that actually now that i think about it uh, seeing that really amazing game in los angeles uh and congratulations obviously to lafc winning the mls cup in that such a dramatic fashion but obviously i think all eyes are really onto the world cup we're literally about 11 days away from the start of this tournament and, you know we have already some drama with some of those roster um not leaks, as you say, but announcements from a lot of countries in the world as a lot of teams are starting to prepare for the tournament to start in a couple of weeks. And, yeah, I think there's a lot to talk about from here on out. Yeah. You know, um, one of the big high-profile injuries that we're going to see uh,
3: come up here, and there now there's talk that he might actually be, make it, is a Sadio Mane, Senegal uh, captain. Obviously led the team to the uh, African Cup of Nations. Uh, title uh, you know just last year and and one of the most exciting players in world football picks up an injury on the weekend for Bayern Munich and is in danger of missing the World Cup however I think my last reports that I saw said it might only be out for a couple of weeks which might might uh, allow Senegal to put him on the roster and uh, and bring him maybe miss the first game but uh, but have him back in time to to matter when it comes down to it in Group A Uh, Speaking of Group A, uh, you know, we'd like to also make the announcement that we did release our Group A preview uh, just a few days ago. You'll definitely want to go check that out and give us a like and and share it on social media as much as you can. Um, I know the two of us have put quite a bit of hard work into making these uh, these shows. And and you definitely want to catch up and and listen to the great guests that we have in in all of our preview shows that we're going to be releasing right up until the World Cup. So. Let's let's jump into it, right? Let's get to it. There's going to be no uh trivia tonight uh given the the compactness uh and also the end of really it is the first uh first third of the season, right, Roberto? I mean, we're we're about 10-11 matches in depending on where you're looking. Um so we're at the end of the season. There are matches coming up this weekend. We won't have a match of the week segment as those matches will be uh finishing up, uh, you know, just to kind of give you an idea. Already heard that Leeds United are not going to play Brendan Aronson and Tyler Adams in their last uh, Premier League match coming up on the weekend. I think you may see a lot of that Lionel Messi is probably not going to feature for PSG and uh, so you're going to see a lot of these higher end players, players that matter to their national teams possibly either get limited minutes or no minutes at all leading into the World Cup coming up with this last week of matches. So we don't have any matches of the week to talk about per se. Uh, Definitely check your local listings for your favorite league, your favorite team, your favorite players and see what's going on this weekend. So let's jump into opening thoughts and opening thoughts for us earlier. uh, The U.S. men's national team roster the 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 actual roster of 26 players heading to Qatar was released by Greg Berhalter um, on Wednesday evening. Just to give you the quick rundown, uh, goalkeepers Ethan Horvath, Sean Johnson, Matt Turner, defenders Cameron Carter Vickers, Serginho Dest, Aaron Long, Shaq Moore, Tim Reen, Ant- Anthony Robinson, Joe Scalley, Walker Zimmerman, DeAndre Yedlin. The midfield consists of Brendan Aronson, Kellen Acosta, Tyler Adams, Luca Della Torre, Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa, and Christian Roldan. The forwards Christian Polisic, Jesus Ferreira, Jordan Mortis, Giovanni Reina, Josh Sargent, Timothy Wea, and Haji Wright completes the 26 players going into this World Cup. Roberto, let's take a quick peek at this. Let's start right at the way back uh, with the goalkeepers. And I think many people expected Zach Steffen uh, to be on this roster, probably start for this team. I want to say it was Felipe Cardenas uh, yesterday had reported uh, that uh, Zach Steffen was rumored to not be on this roster and uh, lo and behold, he's not. I believe there might have been talk of him having a, a small injury that would not make him a reliable option for this World Cup. But you've got to wonder, going to the, the championship, uh, you know, being on loan to city really has had a rough go of it over the past couple seasons. Um, I, I'm wondering if maybe Greg Berhalter has lost faith in Zach Steffen at the same time. Ethan Horvath uh, won the uh, the the gold cup for the U.S. men's national team. Um, Matt Turner, Nations League, if I remember that order correctly. Um, Sean Johnson, winning last season in NYCFC, um, had a good run again this year as well, one of the better goalkeepers in MLS. So, you know, I don't have necessarily a problem with Zach Steffen not being selected. I I think I have a problem with Zach Steffen and his his amount of time he's getting playing since he's made the move to Manchester City. What are your thoughts on the three goalkeepers and the omission of Zach Steffen uh, from this roster?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, we, we did see that leak yesterday about him not being on the squad. And I think certainly it may have caused a shock um, initially when you look at it. Okay, yeah, I think it would have made sense for him to be on the squad and not be a starter. But for him to get left out of the squad completely was definitely a surprise. I mean, obviously, you know, there are talks of a possible injury. Then you also talk about Burhalter perhaps not giving up, not having so much faith in him. But also you can look at some of the performances that he's had. He's been a bit shaky. Yes, he's always been useful when there, but you know, I think that is the the big thing about this. It's you know, I think Pearl Halter wants these the players that he feels are the best at their disposal, and it's it sucks for Stefan because I think he was always someone that we highly rated for years to be one of the best goalkeepers uh, the United States has had, and he misses this out. I think it's it's a big blow for him, but I think it also shows that unfortunately he. At least in Burhalter's eyes, and in what he believes that you know, he's not up for the task to be a part of a a World Cup team like this. In terms of what we have, I mean, yeah, you get the likes of Matt Turner. We know we we've seen him perform very well for for the United States, and you know he's able to get something in Arsenal, albeit he is still trying to recover from injury. So we'll see what he can get from there. Sean Johnson obviously had a really great season at NYCFC last year. And, you know, obviously, he was unfortunate to not make it to the MLS Cup final this year. But has always been kind of useful at his age. And Ethan Horvat, someone that we've always been used to looking at, obviously, uh, during his time, you know, in Europe for various years. He was playing, was playing at Club Bruges, then moved to England, now was at Luton. You know, got a lot of caps in um, for the national team. And even played in the, in the Concacaf Nations League final, if you remember. Um, Last year so there is that kind of experience and honestly, I think it's the best you have I still think Turner does start, you know, I think he still is someone that Deserves the the starting role and I think is the better of the three but You know, it's it's still open in this case.
3: Yeah, and and Matt Turner coming off an injury um, Where there was questions about him possibly being even being on this roster? Um, Obviously those questions have been answered and not only see this roster, but you know, like you said and in my opinion as well, he's the number one on this list. So um, that's the goalkeeping staff going to uh, Qatar. Let's talk about the defenders real quick. Cameron Carter Vickers, Serginho Dest, Aaron Long, Shaq Moore, Tim Ream, Anthony Robinson, Joe Scally, Walker Zimmerman, DeAndre Yedlin. Um, obviously missing Miles Robinson. Um, he would have started alongside Walker Zimmerman if he was healthy, still recovering from his Achilles tendon tear. Uh, Chris Richards would have been an option, but Chris Richards has been ruled out of the World Cup due to injury. Uh, Mark McKenzie, I think, is one. I don't, I don't remember seeing any injury uh, news on Mark McKenzie, but he's off this roster. And uh, I, it looks like I, I've got to think the back line is going to be Walker Zimmerman and um, Tim Reem, I think, is going to be the way it's going to go. Um, with uh, with Sergio Dest on one side and Anthony Robinson on the other side, I think the familiarity between Ream and, and Robinson Having pretty good seasons, both of them at at Fulham uh, this year in the Premier League, I think is is a is a good sign. Um, so you know the 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 omission of McKenzie, eh? If you want to talk about it, that's fine. Taking McKenzie over Aaron Long, who's also a guy coming back from injury, uh, some people were questioning the inclusion of DeAndre Yedlin. I actually think the inclusion of DeAndre Yedlin is a good thing here because. It, you really need a little bit of depth here. Joe Scally having a great season at Gladbach, I think is a great option. Shaq Moore had a great season at, um, at, you know, at Nashville. I think you needed that one little piece. Deandre Edlin brings the, you know, he brings a little speed. He brings the ability to play both sides. Um, although I believe if I remember correctly, the right side is probably a stronger side. Um, and he brings the leadership, right? So I think Deandre Edlin, I think is a good inclusion at this point. um, you know, I would have liked to have seen Mark McKenzie possibly over Aaron Long, but I, I get it. Uh, you know, otherwise I can't complain about this crop of players that uh that Greg
2: Berhalter selected. What are your thoughts on the defenders? Really is a, a bit of a risk to take four right backs. Or four natural right backs I should say. So, I'm curious to see what Burhalter wants to do with the defense, but yeah, I think maybe with certain exceptions I don't see any big big surprises. I think, you know, obviously you did say Tim Reen probably starting alongside Zimmerman in that center defense, center back um, duo ship could be Aaron Long as well. It could be definitely someone that could make the the case there. But other than that, I think, you know, credit to the likes of Joe Scally and Shaq Moore who have really kind of improved in their way to, to make it onto the squad. And yeah, I think it's probably the one that is probably not up for. Very much big debate. Well, maybe the next section that we'll talk about is probably also straightforward. But mm. for me, I think it's it makes sense from a from a neutral standpoint. Yeah,
3: I think I think you know when you when you think about Sergio Des as a right back, um, you've got to also think of him as a left back, and I think that flexibility is something that Burhalter is looking at. I, I'm going to suspect that you will see Sergio Des play left back on this in, in, on this squad before this is all over. Um I, I just I think that's gonna happen. Whether it be as a substitution or, or something else, I think you will see that. So I think that's where Berhalter had a little comfort in taking that many right backs, you know what I mean? So let's move to the midfielders quickly. Um Brendan Aronson, Kellen Acosta, Tyler Adams, Luca Delatory, Wesson McKinney, Yunus Musa, Christian Roland. Um I, I think we all know Greg is gonna play a 4-3-3. I think we all know that the that the mid three are going to be McKenney Adams, and Yunus uh, Musa, I think that's almost locked in stone. Um, I, I, I think the others are, are you know, role players. Again, we'll talk about Brendan Aronson being included in this group in a moment. Um, Christian Roldan is interesting to me. Um, again, another leadership choice, I think, in my opinion. Um, I think there could have been other choices made. Uh, you know, you talk about Paul Arriola uh, is somebody that you probably could have included in this group since we're putting Brendan Aronson in there. But my concern here is that the, the depth is shockingly low here, right? I mean, we've got uh, we've got seven names here. three of them are going to start, of course, in, in Burhalter's system. One of them in Brendan Aronson, you don't necessarily consider as a midfielder, you consider him more of a winger. So from that site, from that standpoint, you've only got six midfielders here. What are your thoughts are? Do you feel that this is a thin group, um, even though it's it's top heavy?
2: No, I mean, I think you still have the versatility of a lot of players that could play in different positions. You know, you see Aronson being featured as a midfielder, but he could indeed play as an attacking player, as a winger, um, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there really is any arguments in sort of the starting midfield. I think if it, if it's not Moose, McKinney, and Adams, then what are you trying to, to do? Maybe you put in Aronson, but who do you take out? So mm. I think, I think that there really is nothing to to really debate about when it comes from to the midfield. So I think you have that versatility. It's interesting to see the Latour making that kind of uh, recovery after suffering an injury for Celta uh, Vigo. So mm-hmm. good to see him on the list. But other than that, I think it's no, I don't, I don't think it's, it's very much weaker or, or, or light from that end uh, in the midfield.
3: You know, the, the one name that, that came to mind quickly, um, just thinking about the midfield and midfielders, um, was Conrad De La Fuente. Okay, I, you know, thinking about him in the season, he had a great season in France last year. But, uh, yeah, he's kind of fallen off the boil in terms of uh, or fallen off the radar of the U.S. men's national team. And, and I wonder if he's somebody who's still young, might might get a chance coming up, Roberto to um to maybe shine and and get a you know get an opportunity to get back in this club or get in the squad uh post World Cup so we'll have to see if that happens let's look at the um the forwards because I think this is where we're gonna have the most discussion or, or you know the most amount of uh debate uh forwards listed Christian Pulisic uh Jesus for Jordan Morris Giovanni Reina Josh Sargent Tim Weah and Haji Wright closed this one out um no Jordan Pifak Uh, You know on this list no Ricardo Pepe on this list Uh, Ricardo Pepe who was kind of the golden boy you know maybe what 18 months ago on this uh, on this U.S. men's national team uh, really has had a tough time since he's moved to Germany and hence on loan uh, into the Netherlands and you know I can't I can't help but wonder if that move has hurt him at this point Um, you know kind of similar to although it didn't hurt him so much is Christian Pulisic's move to Chelsea where he's not getting the minutes that you would expect. Uh, You know, another look, another curious one for me was Jordan Morris. Uh, Player, uh, I've got to check his age, but he's got to be into his late 20s, coming off of two ACL injuries. Uh, I I didn't feel like Jordan Morris was going to be the player. I I, I honestly did not have him on my radar. I thought for sure you would see uh, a Jordan Pifak here or Ricardo Pepe in this spot. I think Haji Wright, I'll be honest with you, Roberto, and, and I was listening to Counterattack earlier tonight with Eric Winalda and, and Tony Miola, and they talked about the, the selection of Haji Wright. And you go back and you look at Weston McKinney's Twitter and you look at Christian Pulisic's Twitter and you remember back to the friendly against, I believe it was Morocco was the one that they brought up, where Christian Pulisic... Um, received the ball to take a penalty. And, you know, you remember there was kind of trying to get into people's heads and that sort of thing, and, and, and Polisic blew it off. And at the very last second, he took the ball and handed it to Haji Wright. Haji Wright was a selection, in my opinion, where Greg Burhalter tried to get closer to the players. Now, was Haji Wright the selection at the expense of Jordan Pifak or Ricardo Pepe? Maybe. I think I think Wright, and for me, Wright and Morris were selected over uh, Pepe and Pifak. What are your thoughts on this particular squad? And let me ask you one extra question. What's the front three look like when we open up against Wales on that Monday?
2: Kind of the million-dollar question in this one. Yeah, I, I think it's it's really unfortunate to see someone like Ricardo Pepe, who I remember was the top goal scorer in um, in World Cup qualifying. And, you know, he like you said, he was kind of the golden boy because he broke out at such a young age. But I think unfortunately that move to oxford kind of ruined him in a way where his stock just kept going down and yes he got injured as well so maybe that's kind of one of the things too the same thing for for, P- for Pifak as well who kind of you know went a bit dry in his spell but mm. it's it's interesting I, I i get the haji right one i i definitely do understand that you know maybe he is someone that is for the future and i think you know the way that he's been playing from a from a friendly perspective may have been enough to to um convince uh, Burhalter. Mm-hmm. Jordan Morris though, this is the one that is kind of the wild card and and you know everyone's talking about why Haji's making it. I'm curious to see what Jordan has to offer because like you know like you said yeah, he did play in the in a few I think he played like 9 games and scored only one goal this year for for the states and you know one of the things that I'm curious about is you know how reliable he can be. Like you said, he has been injury prone. He's went through two ACL injuries, and you know I, I think he he certainly is talented. We we know this. We've seen it throughout his career. But how much durability when you get someone like him? Mind you, I, I you know in, in going into your next question about who I think my front three is. Obviously, I don't think Haji right or or Jordan Morris will. Will be in that. I think you know, looking forward. And I want—I don't know what you think as well. Mm-hmm. I think holistic starts. I think obviously that's that's your number one starter. Mm-hmm. Like you, because he's been playing a bit better. I would have said in beforehand, Aaronson, but you know he's listed in the midfield, so we probably will take him out. I think I'll put Gio Reyna uh, on the right wing. Mm-hmm. And at striker, this is the big one because well, you know you can also play Timothy Way as well sometimes um mainly as a winger but also as a striker but it's up to these two i think it's either sergeant or ferreira and the way that it's going if i had to choose i'm gonna say ferreira on this one okay. I, I think jesus ferreira might be the the starting striker um, against wales
3: so for me i think putting brendan aronson in the list of midfielders um just confirmed the fact that between the choice of Gio Reyna and Brendan Aronson, it was going to be Gio Reyna all along. And and I think that's the right choice. Um, if, if if Gio Reyna is healthy and at full strength and 100%, how do you not start him? Uh, you know, for me, and, and Brendan Aronson, I love him. I love him. And what he's done at Leeds this year, he's been fantastic. Probably has saved Jesse Marsh's job up to this point, you know, as, as one of those pieces. Gio Reyna's, in my opinion, better. Uh, polisic will always start on the other side. Given, I mean, that is you're not gonna you're not gonna change that. Uh, and listing Brendan Aaronson in the midfield also allows, uh, you know, meant mentally to be flexible. Could does he need to bring him out in the midfield or bring him out like as somebody as a second striker kind of behind? He could he can play that role. We've seen him kind of do that and leads a little bit as as the linkage between let's say Tyler Adams and moving forward. So I I, I agree with that. You also allow Brendan Aaronson to come in and play on the left for Pulisic or on the right. You know, we don't know what we're going to get out of Timothy Weah, so I think that's a great choice. the The number nine spot um, is is tough for me. I, 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 you know, Jesus Ferreira I think is a fantastic player, and I and I agree with you. I think he's probably going to be the choice when they line up against Wales on that Monday. I think Jesus Ferreira is going to be the one that starts in that number nine spot. I don't like it. Uh, I, I think. Ferreira is a great player, and I'm not arguing with him. I think he should be on this roster. I think he belongs on this roster. Um, and I'll be honest with you, given the talent, the speed, and the footwork between Pulisic on the left and Gio Reyna on the right, with what he's gone with, my choice for that number nine would actually be Haji Wright. I, I think Haji Wright is, is a nice, big target man, and I think a target man that is allowed to play the ball to guys like Reina and Pulisic, you know, hold up play, that sort of thing. I think Haji Wright is designed to play in between those two guys. And this is why I think the omission of of a guy like Jordan Peefock is, you know, an issue for me because I think Peefock fits the same mold. I think Ricardo Pepe, I'll be honest with you, and I want to ask your opinion of my opinion. Um, Ricardo Pepe, when I watch him sometimes, reminds me a lot of Skamaka. At West Ham Uh, in terms of like he's a little more unorthodox, a little more lanky, a little um, a little more deceptive in his ability to play. That's what I see when I see Ricardo Pepe. And I'd like I'd like your opinion on that. But I think for me, the best choice would be Haji Wright. The actual choice is going to be Jesus Ferrer. What are your thoughts on uh, on Ricardo Pepe?
2: Now, I I think it's it would make more sense. I I think Haji Wright, when you look at his numbers, they've been a bit better than. Than, um, than Pepe as well. And I think, you know, you yes, you, I agree. I think you do want that big target man like Haji Wright. And again, I, I would not be surprised to see Ferreira start or Haji Wright start as well. But for me, for me on a personal level, I think Jesus Ferreira just has a bit more into him, yes, it's it's a, it's hard to really make that choice because is it a win-win or a lose-lose from going from right to Ferreira? I don't know. Mm. Um, personally, in my opinion, I don't think any of them should be the striker if I had the choice of any nine in the world, but that's a different story. Um, in any case, uh, I, I think it's it's a good replacement to have, just in case. Yeah. But I don't know, man. I, I think... Let me ask you this and you know I, think I want to close it out here. Mm. I mean, we're, we're going to make our predictions um, in about a few days when we record our World Cup preview show, but mm. after seeing this roster, mm-hmm. do you and you don't have to you don't have to give me a reason, just a yes or a no, has your thoughts on this national team in their performance in the World Cup has changed for you? No. I still would stick with what I've
3: said. Okay. Um how about you? Yes. Really? I would as well. Oh, you'd stick with what you said. Yeah. 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 Me too. I think so. Let's do it. Let's do a quick starting eleven. Let's go with um, a predicted starting eleven to start that first match against Wales. Uh, between you and me, Matt Turner starts in goal. Correct.
2: Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. Unless Johnson or Horvat somehow get in there with some sort of performance or whatever yeah i think if if i had to choose yeah turner yeah turner for me as well
3: uh across the back uh we're talking uh four players we're going to talk about um we said in the center walker zimmerman tim ream for me i think is the other one uh with uh with dest on one side and anthony robinson on the other this is this is my gut that's what i think is going to happen i would not be shocked if it was zimmerman aaron long but i think it's going to be dest um dest Zimmerman, Reem, uh, Anthony Robinson. What are your
2: thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think so too. Unless the, the big doubt is obviously Long and, and Reem. But other than that, I think it's it's pretty spot on.
3: Okay. Midfield. Um, this is going to be the nine second one. Musa, um, McKenney, Tyler Adams, right?
2: I mean, if you want to be technical, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, what is it? Yes. Musa, Adams, McKenney. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Correct.
3: But yes, same same three guys, uh, and up top, uh, Pulisic on one side, Gio Reyna on the other side, and I think the predicted lineup. What my what I would like to see is Haji Wright, but I think the predicted lineup is going to be Jesus Ferrer.
2: I want to see if Josh Sargent has done enough in the next few days in training to see if he gets himself considered. He's he's done well. At, he's done well at Norwich. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think he's he's done decently well. So. He might be a wild card as well on yeah. that one. And, and, but, uh, and, and other than that, I, I don't even see – well, to be fair, you only have three options, a, a striker. So you can only pick that. But in terms of tier, I think it goes Ferreira, Haji Wright, Sergeant. in terms of the pecking order. I, th-
3: I, I, I don't I, – I agree with the pecking order. I, I don't know that it would go in that order. I think that's going to be by feel. I think I think we're going. I think Ferrera starts right, but I think depending on the feel of the match, you could see Sargent or Haji, right, depending on what Berhalter feels like he needs to move forward. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last thing, uh, real quick. I, I know that the, you know with the re- release of the roster, there are a lot of people out there that are rooting for the demise of the U.S. Men's National Team, so that Greg Berhalter will get fired. And I'd like to say to those people, please shut up. I, I mean, seriously. This is this is the girl you went you got you taken to the dance right this is it I mean so let's be successful okay let let's go win this let, let's go do what we can let's make some noise you know do I like Greg Berhalter as a, as a national team coach no I don't I've made that very clear on this on this show many many times but damn it we're here and and we got to go win this and you and I uh-huh. Roberto we, we you know Paraguay's out Italy's out we've got one team and this is the one. So yeah, let's go USA. <laughs> no. So let's, uh, let's wrap that up for our opening thoughts. Um, obviously on Saturday, we were entertained by one of the best, certainly the best MLS match you will see this year, possibly one of the best MLS cup finals of all time. And I would argue one of the best matches you will see this year. And we haven't played a world cup yet, but it was a phenomenal uh, match between the Philadelphia Union, LAFC, overtime, goals in stoppage time of overtime, the Maxime Cropot injury, which was which was brutal, and we, we wish him the best, and hopefully a quick recovery. It's going to cost him the World Cup, which is very, very sad, um, because I, for me personally, I thought he had actually had a chance to maybe, maybe feature in the World Cup. But, um, you know, just an incredible finish, uh, and congratulations to LAFC, but you and I, My friend, we're extremely fortunate to get the voice of LAFC, Max Bredos, to join us uh, just right after the World Cup. And you were on location in New York, um, so we apologize for the audio there. However, we had a great interview with him, and we definitely want to play it for you now. So without further ado, the voice of LAFC, the Max Bredos interview. And joining us now on Low Limit Football, the voice of LAFC, Max Bredos. Max, welcome to the show. It is great to have you on. Um, I'm super excited to talk about what, in my opinion, was possibly the greatest MLS match ever, let alone the greatest MLS Cup final ever. But I'd like, as the voice of LAFC and, and really immersed in the, the happenings as it went on, what is your reaction two days later to LAFC's first MLS Cup title?
0: Well... The immediate one is just based on what you said. So, hello, Joe. Hello, Roberto. Um, is just what is because we're we're seeing it internally. We're kind of in a bubble here in Los Angeles. We know it's big with these supporters, and uh, actually, we, we're still surprised that it catches on here in Los Angeles in so many ways. Where you know we saw the celebrities that were there. The atmosphere, as great as it's been in that stadium, was something else. Uh, it captured that moment. But I'm always curious to see how people view it. And to hear you say that it's the greatest game ever played, and I was I was in the, the bottom floor there, the field level of uh, Bank of California Stadium. I saw Andrew Weeby and David Gosser about to record their extra time podcast. They said the same thing. The broadcast said it. So that's important. And you know, it's we need good showpiece events because we're you know a lot of us are all in it together. Whether it's MLS or American soccer, you know, to invest in this league is good for everyone who covers the sport here. So that's really. That's really important for me. I'm selfish to see that selfishly, uh, you know, for me, it was from being here in 2018 and seeing the, this team grow and have its peaks and valleys to, to be able to grab that because I support teams that don't win anything. You know, I, I never gone through that or celebration. I mean, it's just, I'm used to misery. So that was very fulfilling. And just to see what it meant for so many people that have covered this, followed this team and, you know, winning championships means a lot. Something you can hang on, not just for this weekend, it's for the rest of your life. And you can relive that and you can share that story and you can show that Gareth Bale goal again and again. So uh, it, it's just huge on, on so many levels. And I think now what we want to do is, uh, you know, be working for the club is maintain that uh, enthusiasm, that energy so that uh, we can gain new fans, you know, in LA, uh, in the exterior. So it's... Uh, at, even sitting here a couple days after the game, uh, it, it's just you. I always wonder what it would be like because these games are so important, and and we know winning championships uh, is above all else. But how long it will, how how much it gives you, and how it can put you over, and how much of a residual effect it has. So we're we're going through that now, and it feels, it feels very exciting.
1: And I guess, Max, just to go into that, because obviously I think that was always the end goal, like, for them. You know, this was an expansion team that had been founded about seven years ago. Obviously, when you look at other teams like the Seattle Sounders and Atlanta United also winning uh, titles right before then, it was only time until LAFC did that. So I just want your thoughts on, like, you know, how important this win is now for the club as a whole and and really just where they put themselves in among those clubs that have won titles before and just – you know they're kind of put themselves into the established, you know, core of teams in the league.
0: Well, more than anything, locally, because LAFC supporters know they, you know, they want to believe it or not, the Galaxy have won five titles. They uh, they can always look at their point to their shirt and point at that and say, look, you can't compete with this, and it gives them a chance to do that, which helps this rivalry, which helps the league, so that locally, LAFC has that important title and. It, it was so important to achieve it because the way this roster was built, it's going to look different next season. Cause you, you got to fall under the three DPs. You, you have to maintain some of these good young players, some of which are already on loan. How do they do it? You, you, you know that this winning the title now even accentuates that even more where you have a roster that's going to be very fluid. I hope it looks a lot the same as last year, but it's impossible. Just when you look at how they built it, which showed, What they had to put, invest into this club this year, knowing that it had to win it or else it didn't have to win it, obviously. But if it didn't win it, then you have to alter things a little bit by necessity because of the way this league operates, uh, the apparatus in which it operates. So winning it now uh, with, you know, some contracts are up. uh, Other things have to be rebuilt. You know, you have to have a conversation with Christian Teo and Gareth Bale and see what it looks like and Chicho Arango that it's incredible that it was able to hit. And that means so much because, you know, titles change it all. I think um, LAFC, some people would say, yeah, they have this huge bark with this incredible atmosphere, uh, but they have to win trophies, which is really unfair when you've been around for five years, but I guess that's the way it is. And it is a sprint for this club. They want to build a history at an accelerated pace, and it's allowed them to do that. And because it's Los Angeles, and because we've had all these big name players, I mean, you're watching this game and, Carlos Vela's coming off and Gareth Bale's coming on. You go, what, what, what did I miss? This is, this is fantasy land, but because of the players and everything, and now the success, it has a chance to be, you know, this breakthrough club. Uh, I, you know, I don't want to be disrespectful to the Sounders or the galaxy and uh, DC United back in the day, those successes still uh, rise above because they were able to do it multiple times. But now LAFC is in the game for real. And they always say the first one's the hardest. And now they have their eyes set on winning it again, maybe winning a CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, we were doing the celebration yesterday. It was amazing just to see three trophies on the stage at one time for such a young club, the Supporters' Shield, the Western title, and then MLS Cup. So, you know, trophies matter, you know, filling and filling that trophy case matter.
1: They definitely do. And obviously this all gets attributed to the likes of Steve Chawandele, who obviously came into this in his first, you know, major first division job you know he's had stints working in Germany he's also worked at other teams as well but this was his big major one and to see him do that I think was testament to to really just how good he's been as a manager so I wanted to ask you really how important he is to the squad and just moving forward you know is this someone that I think LAFC can indeed build on and, and try to establish kind of a of a um, a dynasty. We could say like, if you want to go into dream world uh, for this side, uh, using him uh, as the, um, as the manager.
0: I think that's what LAC would like to do. And when his appointment was announced, you know, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of pushback and there was some concerns because of the lack of coaching uh, a first division team. And they kept looking into what he did with Las Vegas lights, which was a very different circumstance. He was brought into the club last year And he was with the Lights, which the USL team, which lost most of their games. They were near the bottom. But it wasn't really built in that – it was. They wanted to be successful, but it was more a case in the pandemic era where you needed to have players ready to go uh, in case you were shorthanded. So they had a lot of – some academy guys playing there, and they would kind of go back and forth from Las Vegas. They wouldn't kind of go. They would go back from Las Vegas, Los Angeles. It was untenable as a situation. So, it was for anyone to kind of put that in as like part of his resume. It's a bit unfair. And he knew it. He knew that they were going to lose a lot of games, but he came over, and I imagine it was to know that perhaps one day he could get a job like LAFC. It was never promised to him. And we spoke to John Thorrington, and they did a worldwide search. They were looking for managers in Europe, South America, within MLS to see if they wanted to, if they could be the guy to take over. And in the end, they said Steve was the guy we were looking for. He had an incredible resume he did all the licenses in Germany when he was announced we we wanted to bring in some people from Germany to welcome to LA and the list was insane it was like Ralph Ragnick and Felix Magath all these guys that are really highly regarded in Germany that know who he is and know that he would be successful well they were all right he's been phenomenal he's a bit of an anti-coach because he defers to his he trusts the players he doesn't He's very different than Bob Bradley. Bob Bradley's approach, uh, it was really intriguing to watch, but Steve does it differently. He kind of – if he could, he'd show up in shorts and sandals. He's a SoCal guy, and he's going to be in demand. I mean this obviously is going to make him interesting once we see guys like Jesse Marsh finding success in Europe. It's going to put him in demand, but there's a part that I think he – he would like to stay in LA as a young family. And he's a SoCal guy and he has to love what's going on here. And LAFC wants to be viewed as a huge destination. So I I hope that that relationship remains for years to come because we saw the results and he, I I just love his style. I love how he empowers his assistants and how he puts the ball in the player's court says, you've got all the information now do it. And then the players really take that responsibility as they did this season. Obviously.
3: And Max, I want to step in and go back to the match real quick, because um, obviously we saw the horrific injury with Maxime Carpeau, Uh And without that injury and that red card, we also don't see John McCarthy as the MVP of MLS Cup. So, um, you know, right now where you stand, what is the update on Maxime's condition um, and how is he doing? And... And I know that uh, I, was, I was reading through your Twitter and I saw you got to meet both dads uh, at MLS Cup, which is really, really cool. Um, what's the reaction from them, uh, you know, given that their their two sons played a major, major part in this uh, in this final?
0: Well, the McCarthy and Crapo families are so intertwined. It's, it's crazy. And when John McCarthy joined this team, it was always to be the backup goalkeeper. But as we heard on the broadcast, that if it went to penalties, if... Maxime Crapeau did not suffer that injury. He was going to be between the posts and face the penalties because he's a really good penalty shot stopper. Mm-hmm. So they knew that was happening, but then the injury changes everything, you know, and then now Mac- John is going to this situation. where are like, oh my God, it's, and remember, these guys are, in- these guys are inseparable at training. And the fact that they created such a good relationship, knowing the pecking order, because John can start, John McCarthy can start in many MLS clubs, but this was a circumstance that he, he signed up for and for him to overcome that seeing his his I'm not going to say they're best friends but they were always together at training and their confidants they who knows you know how much they share that and it went out to their families so um quickly on the Maxime Crapo injury it was a it was a pretty nasty compound fracture so he's going to be out for a long time i mean it could be a year and that's mm-hmm. how uh, bad it is i and i don't hold me to that but you know, we should say he's not expected to start the season because of it. Uh, the season starts in February, but it's it, it's going to be a, a long layoff. Um, meeting the guys, the, the the fathers afterwards, and uh, Maxime's father Remy, he he was just so stoic, and he was saying, "Look, this thing's happened. We know it. Uh, Maxime is his, his month was one concern is the team." And I go, "This is crazy." I go, I, "How could you be so calm?" And it, uh, later. He was very emotional at the uh, celebration yesterday. But I DM'd uh, Maxime and I go, This is terrible to DM him while he's sitting in a hospital bed. And I go, Hey, I bet your dad, incredible guy. Uh, you have a great family, so keep your head up. You know, I was like being really like somber. And then Maxime responds, He goes, Dude, we just won the MLS Cup and it was, like, <laughs> with, with like bells and whistles. So I was like, Yeah. So it just goes to show the fabric that these guys are made of. It's unbelievable. I just don't know. Um, how you overcome that break your leg and wave over the training staff and then want to stay there while John McCarthy is doing it. But what it has created, and you said, this was the greatest game. Uh, this is the greatest story in MLS history. I mean, every layer of it is unbelievable from the fact that John's from Philadelphia, uh, just had a baby was going to come into the game regardless. Um, uh, and just had this incredible penalty shootout where Philadelphia – I can't even I, – I want to congratulate the Philadelphia Union because it was such a great game. They played a large role in that. I couldn't imagine how they would overcome the Gareth Bale goal, and they they didn't. So John was great, but they, were, they had to have been checked out, and I don't blame them yeah. to have to go through those emotions. And it was a, an incredible story, and it, it, the, the crazy part of it all was John Thorington that we know that he was going to come into the final to save penalties. John Thorington, when he signed him back in whenever it was, February of 2022, he knew that this opportunity was probably going to come up. He goes, we're going to bring you in for a penalty shootout in a postseason game, which is the only time you have it, uh, because you're better at it than Maxime is. And it came up in the biggest game of the year. So uh, it's just crazy to think back because those conversations were probably had
3: insane and 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 just the 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 layers of the story is just something magnificent so max i want to thank you for joining us on the show Um, i'm glad we finally got to have you and and think about the most opportune moment this is certainly it um always a pleasure Uh, you know i'm a big fan and we look forward to having you back again soon my friend
0: i love seeing you guys up on social and everything roberto i know roberto's over the moon with uh, miguel Almirón, and uh, i love some of the the Paraguayan content we get there because that's what Twitter's for. You get stuff that you wouldn't see anywhere else. Joe, you too. And it's great to see you guys working hard to uh, spread the good word of the sport. We need it all. So uh, anytime, be happy to join you guys.
3: And special thanks again to Max Bredos for joining us on the show. Roberto, like we said earlier in the show, we don't have any trivia this week and we also don't do match of the week as we have one more set of matches leading up to the World Cup. So we don't have anything left on the, on the closing docket. Also want to remind the listeners... That we will be releasing our World Cup group previews every day or two, so definitely keep an eye out on our Twitter and our Facebook page. Uh, give it a listen, a like, and a share if you can. We really appreciate it, uh, you know, definitely because of the all the hard work that went into it, and uh, and we appreciate everybody listening to us. So, without further ado, my friend, let's hit the closing music. Yes. All right, here we go. So for episode 370 of Low Limit Football, special thanks again to Max Bredos for joining us on the show. We will be back on the 17th or 18th of November to give you our official world cup preview we're going to give you our predictions we're going to give you our champion our golden ball um and all the other predictions we're going to make for the 2022 world cup so for episode 370 of low limit football i am joe usello
2: i'm robert Roja.
3: thanks for listening everyone and good night